First, reading Galatians 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revel, revelries, and the like. So he didn't even, there's a lot of things in that list, and he didn't even give a complete comprehensive list, just many things, works of the flesh. And we've said much about those. Um, and then he says, uh, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so I've made many statements about, about that, and uh, it's very sobering, isn't it? Very sobering. And uh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we certainly don't want to be practicing these things. Doing them at all, much less practicing them. And then verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, which that's the one we're going to talk about today, gentleness, and self-control against such there is no law. Of course, he lists nine fruit there. And, uh, and something I've been covering in each session is that Jesus is looking for us to produce fruit. He's looking for us to produce fruit. And uh, the first thing folks think when I say that is, well, he wants us to produce these nine fruit. Certainly that's true, true but there's something more important really than these nine and uh, it's Jesus is looking for us to be soul winners. Soul winners. Uh, that's how God sees a sinner when they get saved. He sees that as, as fruit production. And it is up to us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. And uh, that's what Jesus is looking for first and foremost for us to, to do is to share his, the, his gospel with everyone. And... Uh, and see people saved. That's the most important fruit. And uh, Jesus is really looking for that. More than, than these nine fruit. He's looking for us to be soul winners. And in the, in, in the introductory, in introductory session. Several weeks ago. I went through, uh, through that with you. How important it is that we're all soul winners. That's the most important thing. That's the main thing. That's, that's the greatest fruit you can produce for the Lord is sinners getting saved, okay? But then after that, these nine fruit, they are important. And uh, we need to, to have these nine fruit in our life. And, and I'm convinced if we'll have these nine fruit in full manifestation in our life, we will be soul winners. We will be soul winners, okay? And um, then we've noted that... Uh, uh, and remember, these nine fruit, they were put in your spirit when you got saved, when you got born again, okay? So every Christian has these nine fruit within them, but then we've taught you that it's up to you to develop these fruit in your life. And you do that, and of course, the Holy Spirit helps us, of course. They're, they're His fruit. They're God's fruit. He gives them to us when we get saved, but it's up to us to cultivate these things you know, love, joy, peace, so forth and so on, and develop them. And, and I've showed you from the Word of God that these fruit can be more or less in your life at any given time. 
just like joy. You know, we showed you how joy can be full and joy can wither. You know as well as I do, there's been times you've had more joy than others. We've taught you that happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness is a feeling based on circumstance. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit based on the Word of God. You can have joy when there's no reason to be happy. I mean, we, we've gone over these things with you. But it's up to you to, to, to cultivate these fruit and keep them full in your life. Okay? And then we noticed, or we noted to you, that uh, to the degree the fruit of the Spirit develops in our lives, to that degree we will overcome the works of the flesh. Let me say that again. To the degree the fruit of the Spirit develops in our lives, to that degree we will overcome the works of the flesh. And, and it's so important that you understand this. You can only overcome the works of the flesh so long with willpower. Okay? willpower, that's a good thing and all of that, but you can only overcome the works of the flesh so long with willpower. It takes these fruit, takes these fruit to overcome the works of the flesh. Um, notice uh, Galatians 5.16 says, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. And you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The only way to not fulfill the lusts of the flesh is through what? Walking in the Spirit. Willpower can only overcome the flesh so long. Uh, when we get to the uh, last fruit in a couple of weeks from now, self-control. See, uh, I'll, I'll use myself as, as an example. Uh, you know, for years I battled weight, weight, weight. You know, and over the last five years I've lost 60 pounds and I've kept it off thank God but for years before that I would you know lose weight then I'd put it right back on I'd lose weight put it right back on and, and then I'd usually find a few pounds after I put it back on you know Has any, can anybody relate with that and uh, but what I was doing you know New Year's resolutions and all of that and then through January I'd do real good getting the weight down but then of course February comes and Valentine's Day and I'd start eating candy you know and Spridle and Chim Chim into candy does anybody remember who Spridle and Chim Chim are from Speed Racer you know and they'd eat to you don't know Spridle and Chim Chim uh, Speed Racer's little brother and his chimpanzee uh, little pet and they'd get to candy and they'd, they'd just fill their mouth you don't know who Spridle and Chim Chim well anyway I'd Spridle and Chim Chim when I say Spridle and Chim Chim putting the candy in eating the, eating the goodies does anybody know what I'm talking about how many's ever spraddling chim chim to candy? Okay, all right, and and, uh, and then I put the weight back on, and then some. So I was, but what I was doing is I was using I was using willpower, and I'd always fail. So I learned some things about this fruit of self control, and keeping my body under. Didn't the Apostle Paul said I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection? So I learned some things about the fruit of self control. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks and I've been able through that fruit to keep the weight off for almost six years now see and so these fruit fruit are essential to to overcoming the lust of the flesh okay all right now having said that uh, oh no then also too I, I want to review what I said last week because it bears repetition now how many fruit are there nine, nine. Now, remember from 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, how many gifts of the Spirit are there? There's nine, okay? Now, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I, 
enjoy the gifts of the Spirit. Thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, special faith, gifts of healing and working of miracles. I believe in those things. They're in the Bible. They're for us today. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I'm all for the gifts. We've seen hundreds of people healed by the power of God over the last 25 years. Wonderful. I can't heal anybody, but Jesus is in the healing business. Last week, we had, the, we had the gift of prophecy in operation, right, in this service. I mean, we've seen these things. I'm all for these things, for the gifts. But it's interesting that we taught you in a previous session the fruit of the Spirit. If you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, we showed you Scripture If you have the fruit of the Spirit developed in your life, you will never stumble. And you will never cause anyone else to stumble. Remember us giving, remember me giving you those verses? If you weren't here, you can go back on, go on the internet and go back and go through the archives for free. Don't cost you a penny. And find, uh, as long as you have internet access, and find where, where we gave you those scriptures. If you have the fruit of the Spirit in operation in your life, remember, you will never stumble and you will never cause anyone else to stumble but I've watched people over 25 35 now 35 years 25 years of this church and then 10 years before that I've watched a lot of people operate in the gifts of the spirit even ministers operate in the gifts of the spirit but they stumbled and they caused other people to stumble Christians that would come to church and just enjoy the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm all for that. I am all for the gifts of the Spirit. But I'd watch those people stumble, and they'd cause other people to stumble. But, but when you have these fruit of the Spirit, the Bible's clear, love, joy, peace, and so forth, you will never stumble, and you will never cause anyone else to stumble. So, You see, so much emphasis has been put on the gifts and not near enough on the fruit of the Spirit. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm trying to do in this series is let's put proper emphasis on the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm convinced if we'll have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we'll be in a position to be used more accurately by the Holy Spirit in the gifts of the Spirit, you see. And so we can have, if we have the fruit, we can then have the gifts and then we'll not cause anyone to stumble and we won't stumble and it'll be a blessing. See, a lot of Christians are either or. They say, well, we can either have the fruit or we can have the gifts. But you see, God says we can have them both. Let's have the fruit of the Spirit and then we'll flow more accurately and precisely in the gifts of the Spirit. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Okay. Now, let's talk about faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's the one we're on for today. Faithfulness. Now, if you look at uh, Galatians 5.22, the last fruit there mentioned in the King James Version it says faith but but in almost all the other versions of the Bible it's faithfulness and so it's interesting as as I've studied it over the years uh, let me put it to you this way and we've talked about this also before I believe it should be translated faithfulness even though the King James translates it faith and the, and, and, and the Greek word actually is translated faith it can be also translated faithfulness 
But the reason I believe it should be faithfulness is, what are we talking about here? We're talking about fruit, aren't we? And remember we've taught you, faith, faith is the root of our salvation. Faithfulness would be the fruit. Did you get that? So we're saved by grace through faith. Remember, apart from works, faith in the Lord Jesus. So we're saved by grace through faith. Faith is the what is the root. Faithfulness, along with those other eight fruit, faithfulness would be the what? The fruit. So that's why I believe this should be translated faithfulness. What is faithfulness? Let me give you my definition. It's the best one I've been able to come up with over all these years. You ready? If you're taking notes, I'd write this down. Always doing what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing it, with a good and a right attitude. That pretty well sums up faithfulness right there. Always doing, always, so that means all the time, doing what you're supposed to be doing. When you're supposed to be doing it. So that's a, that's a timing issue there. Faithful people are on time people, aren't they? They're always where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. Faith, faithfulness is always doing what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing it, but then there's something else, with a good and a right attitude that's faithfulness for you because you can be doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it and you can be grumbling and complaining through the whole thing and you're not faithful uh, with a good and a right attitude it's like I was out there working with my wife in the yard the other uh, Friday and I was where I was supposed to be I was doing what I was supposed to be doing because that's what she said I was supposed to be doing. So I, when I was supposed to be doing it. But when she says we're going to dig these plants up. And she hands me the shovel. I didn't have a real good and a right attitude. So I was almost faithful but not quite. See my wife loves working on the grounds you know. I, I, I don't mind cutting the grass, but I, I don't like the minute stuff. And, you know, she'll get down and dig all the leaves out. I'll take the blower and blow the leaves out, but I don't want to get down on my hands and knees and dig leaves. But the, the one day, one day we, she said, we've got to do some work outside. So I show up, and, and I'm there, and she says, uh, so what are we going to do, hon? She said, we're going to replace the dirt. <laughs> I said, what is we're going to put clean dirt down. That's where we're going to put clean dirt. You know, the dirt was dirty, so we've got to put clean dirt down. But what it was is that she wanted to put a better grade of dirt down. Now, you know what? That's going a little too far, you know. She made all the difference. Well, so now the, grass, the plants grow better. But anyway, the point is, you, you know, I wasn't having a good and right attitude. I didn't have a good and right attitude. So I had to, I had to repent. And so always doing... What you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing it, with a good and a right attitude. That's faithfulness. Okay? And uh, here's another uh, 
definition, and you know, I could give you many different things, but they all pretty well lead to the same thing. Uh, to remain true to. To remain true to. It's like if you're faithful in your marriage, you will remain over time true to your spouse. That's being faithful. Faithful to the Lord, to be true to Him. To be true to. I think that's a, that's a very simple definition, but it sums it up, doesn't it? To be true to. To remain true to. Now, of all these nine fruit, of all nine of them, the one we're talking about today is the most rare of the nine. You know what I mean when I say that? The most rare? Uh, let's say it another way. The hardest to find. The hardest one for God to find. Now when God has trouble finding something, you know it's rare. Now let me give you scripture. Look at this. Proverbs 20 verse 6. Proverbs 20, 20 verse 6. Proverbs 20 verse 6. It says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Question mark. Which would apply to me that God, who is almighty and all-powerful and all-knowing, doesn't the Bible say the eyes of the Lord go to and fro? If he has trouble finding a faithful person, you know they're, they're few and far between, aren't they? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's really, God's looking for faithfulness, as we'll see. But of the nine, if I were going to give you a test at the end of this, well, let, me, let me give you a little test now. Uh, which of the fruit are all the other fruit encompassed in? Love. Very good. Okay. Which is the hardest one to find? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. A faithful man who can find is the way that King James says it, I believe. Uh, let's read this verse 6 in the New Living Translation. I normally use the New King James. But uh, the New Living says, Many will say they are loyal friends. Have you, have you ever had anybody say that to you? But who can find one who is truly reliable? There's another good definition for faithfulness. Reliability. Dependability. Trustworthiness. So be asking yourself as we go through here, are you faithful? Are you faithful to the Lord? Are you faithful to the things of God? Are you reliable? Are you trustworthy? Can the Lord trust you with things? You know, the fruit of faithfulness is a must if you are ever going to have the Lord entrust anything to your oversight. This fruit of faithfulness is a must if you are ever going to have the Lord entrust anything to your oversight. Notice 1 Corinthians 4.2. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says this. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found what? Faithful. Faithful. 
How many of you know the Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof? But he has entrusted to us certain things and we become stewards over what he entrusts us to and it is required that we are found what? Faithful. 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 Look at Luke 16. Luke 16. If you ever want the Lord to entrust you with anything, if you ever want to advance in the things of God, this fruit is an absolute must. You will not advance in the things of God. God will never entrust you with more if you don't have this fruit. He just won't. He just absolutely won't. Look at Luke 16.10. Several good, good things here in these three verses we're going to read here. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. So, so many people, you know, they will say, well, when God gives me a whole bunch, then I'll be faithful. Absolutely not. If you won't be faithful in the little, you'll never even be entrusted with the much. People say oft times, well, when I get a million dollars, I'll tithe. But they won't tithe on a dollar. Now, you know, around here, I don't say much about money. Everything's paid off. Isn't that wonderful? Never had to kill a chicken to pay a bill around here. Isn't that wonderful, you know? Wonderful to say very little about it, but I believe tithing is... Is scriptural. You see the principle of it from Genesis all the way to today. Now that's your giving, tithing. That's between you and God. If it ever gets between you and me, there's a problem. It's between you and God. But if you won't tithe on a dollar, I've got the Bible says you won't tithe on a million. Did you hear what I just said? Absolutely, it's a spiritual principle. And what what did Jesus, our Lord, say? He said, "He who is faithful in what is." least is faithful also in much and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much it's interesting to me that and and, and Jesus said this now and, 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 and I need to emphasize it if you are not faithful you are unjust. He didn't say, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unfaithful in what is least is unfaithful also in much. He, he, he contrasted, and, and he said, to be opposite of faithful is to be what? Unjust. That's pretty serious. So we need to be faithful in that which is least. And then we'll also then one day by the Lord be entrusted with much. Now verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, unrighteous mammon, what he's talking about there is he's talking about worldly wealth. He's talking about handling money. Do you know so much can be revealed about a person in the way they handle money? 
Even though I say very little bit, a little about money here, you know, Jesus said quite a bit about it. You look at the parables that he taught, he said quite a bit about it. The Bible says a lot about money. Uh, the, the book of Proverbs says a lot about money. And you can tell a lot about a person by the way they handle or don't handle money. And, and you know as well as I do, if you want to... Uh, really get into a serious conversation with a person, you just start delving around in their, in their wallet or in their pocketbook and you'll have their full attention, won't you? They're sitting there looking at me kind of funny, but okay, let's say, our, let's say your tax bill goes up 50%. How are you going to take that? Well, these are nice people. All right. You wouldn't mind if your taxes went up 50%? Yes. Would you, who, who would not like that? I wouldn't like that. How many of you think you pay too much taxes as it is? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And you know the people collecting the taxes are still broke, aren't they? They're just, they're just getting all their tax money. Money is, uh, is a serious issue. And... Uh, and he says, if you can't, he says, he who has not been faithful in, if, in other words, if you can't handle the money, your money, the Lord's never going to entrust you with any true riches. What does he mean by true riches? Oversight of the spiritual, you study into that, it means oversight of the spiritual riches of heaven and eternity. That's what he's really talking about there. See, what you need to realize, we're living in the here and the now, getting ready for the Sweet by and by. And if he can't trust you with money here, you're not going to be entrusted with anything to any, any degree in heaven and certainly during the millennium and throughout eternity. See, we need to realize that we're not just... I mean, we're living in the here and the now... But how many of you know we're only going to be here at best 100 years or so? You know, lifespan between 80 and 120, give or take. Is that correct? However you want to argue it. But eternity is a long time, isn't it? And so many folks just live in the here and the now, and they won't be faithful in the here and the now. But the here and the now is going to be gone. It's like a vapor. It's just here and it's gone. But we've got eternity to deal with. And yes, we get saved by grace through faith in Jesus, but we've got an eternity to deal with. And what we do in the here and the now determines the, re the degree of reward we're going to have for eternity. And if, if he, if you, he says if you won't be faithful in, in, he's talking about money, if you won't be faithful in money, he's never going to entrust you with the true riches Spiritual riches of heaven and eternity. And then verse 12 says, And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? What a principle that is. That's a powerful principle. Especially, I don't know that I necessarily have any ministers in here, but I've watched this over the years. Young ministers, they want to have their own ministry. They want to start right out of the blocks and have their own deal and have their own thing. But they've never been faithful in that which is another's. See, for the Lord to give you something that is your own, you're going to have to be faithful in that which is someone else's. 
Diane and I were faithful. I believe we were faithful. I know she was. I trust I was in another man's ministry for many, many years before we ever started this church. And then the Lord gave us, gave us her own. But you need to be faithful in that which belongs to somebody else before the Lord's ever going to give you that which is your own. Now look at Matthew 25. You getting anything out of this? Okay. I'm not boring you, am I? I hope not. Hope not. Jesus gives a parable. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who calls his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And one he gave five talents, another two, and another one. These are sums of money. And don't get into thinking how much is a talent worth today. Here's what you need to center in on. One had how many? One had five. One had, and the other had one. Each according to his own ability, and immediately the guy went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. And if you read the parable of the minas in, Luke, in Luke's gospel account, you'll see that this reward was during the millennium, and this guy here got, would get authority over, I think, like five cities during the millennium. And he was faithful over a little bit of money. See, it goes, it backs up what we just read, Luke 16. He was faithful over a little bit of money. And then during the millennium, God rewarded him with govern, governorship over cities. See, people don't realize when they're serving in the children's church and nobody can see them. Nobody, a lot of times, you know, even, even the church at large doesn't even know they're there. I know they're there. Somebody more important than me knows they're there. What his name would be? Jesus. Are you all out there? Are you listening? Or? I'm talking to children's church. One of the greatest places to serve in the, in the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. But hardly anybody ever wants to do it. And that's, that's true of all churches that I have anything, any knowledge of. There's probably some exceptions. There's nobody sees there. Nobody, but there's somebody sees there. His name's Jesus. And one day those people that serve in the children's church that basically nobody knew they were there, they're going to be given, if they were faithful, going to be given authority over cities. There's going to be people in the millennium and, 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 and throughout eternity that, that we didn't know, we never knew who they were, but they were faithful in prayer. They were faithful to walk right before the Lord and, and, and handle His affairs uh, properly. And nobody knew who they were, but they're going to be given all kinds of authority in the millennium. There's going to be people that we, we, we think that are going to be, wow, they're going to be big time in the millennium that they're going to be sitting on the back row. 
Do you understand that? We need to understand that. We need to realize that, that what we do in the, in the secret place where nobody knows, God's looking and he keeps real good records. And we're going to be rewarded based on how, our faithfulness in the, secret, in the secret stuff where nobody's looking. How many of you know it's real easy when everybody's looking to, to act right and here at church, it's real easy to act right for an hour and a half on Sunday morning when everybody's looking and everybody knows. But what are you doing in the midnight hour when nobody knows? That's, see, that's where God is going to, that's where he keeps, keeps real good records, see. And you'll get rewarded or lose reward based on that. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Verse 21, I'll make you ruler over many things and enter the joy of the Lord. And then look at verse 22. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of the Lord. Now he got the same reward as the guy that had the five talents. So it's not, it's not the abundance of what you have, it's what you do with what you have. I tell you what, one of the greatest, now we pastor a small church here, okay? But one of the greatest uh, compliments I've ever gotten in my life was uh, uh, got a call one day from the assistant of a lady who reaches two-thirds of the globe with the gospel. Anybody knows who that is? It is Joyce Meyer. I'm thinking, what, are, what in the world, why, why, is she, why is she calling me? And he said, uh, the assistant said, now I'm not saying this to boast me, I'm just telling you what happened. Faithfulness. S- small church here. I'm not, a, I'm not an accoladed minister. S- small church. And uh, call comes in, and my gosh, what does she, what does she want with me? And so the assistant came over, and we stood right out there in that entryway. And he came in, Joyce Meyer's assistant, one of her assistants came in and said to me, said, uh, Joyce wanted you to know that the Lord spoke to her heart and uh, uh, sent me over here to tell you that you and your wife have been found faithful at standing your post. Now that is one of the greatest. The only thing that could be better than that for me is Jesus saying it. And then handed us a very generous offering for the church. Isn't that something? But let's go fast forward in time. Wouldn't it be nice to stand before Jesus and have him say that. And then not just give you a very generous check. But hand you a crown. That you can then turn around and lay at his feet. My wife, she's been faithful, you know. I was thinking when you were leading worship up there, you know. And, and who cares if, if, if something goes, goes haywire? Who cares? Because you see, people will look at that. And they're going to think what they're going to think. But God's looking at the heart. You know? And you've been faithful since you were doing the, the, uh, at, the at the Catholic Church. Right after you got saved... And you, you were in the Catholic Church for a while, weren't you? And you led those uh, guitar mass. And you've been faithful from that hour to this hour. You've always been my worship leader, and you always will. Praise God. And I've watched many of them come and go over the years. Now, Shelly, she's, 
not here today. She's usually here. But I've watched many of them come and go. I'm talking singers and whatnot. Many of them come and go. And, uh, but you know what? You're still there singing for the Lord. And so there's faithfulness, see? That's faithfulness. She's always doing, help me out now, what she's supposed to be doing when she's with a... Now, usually I don't call attention to me and my wife. You know that, but I thought that it, 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 these things can, can be good illustrations sometimes. Just a pastor of a little small church here, but somebody like Joyce Meyer would even know we're here and send over something like that. I don't know about you, but that, that goes a long way with me. That blesses me. Just faithfulness. Faithfulness. You don't, you don't have to be running a big, massive thing. You know in the churches of Revelation, now thank God for the large churches. There, there's a lot of good in them. You know, I've, I've studied this in large churches and small churches. You know, there's a place for both of them. And you can get things at a large church that you could never get at a small church. And there's things you can get at a small church that you can never get at a large church. So you've got to find out what, what is in your heart and what's, what's, uh, what's right for, you, for the Lord. Where, yeah, yeah, I want to say that right. You don't go to church. I've said this before. The Lord wants me to say You don't go to church where you choose. You go to church where the Lord chooses for you to go. Did you hear what I just said? You don't pick your church. You don't pick your pastor. You let the Lord do that for you. Can you say amen? That way you'll get the right message at the right time. Did you hear me? Come on, I don't want to go too long here. I need to finish this up. Then he had received one talent, verse 24, came and said, Lord, I knew that you're a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you, hear, you have what's yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy servant. Oh, my goodness. That's, you, you don't want to hear that coming from the Lord. I knew... Uh, he said, you wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where, I, where I have not gathered scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him. Give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And to him, and he'll have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And ca- now this is serious stuff now. Look at verse 30. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus wants, he demands fruit production. Doesn't he? Now just a couple things and we'll close. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty. We'll close by, by saying saying some things to you about the the rewards of faithfulness. You just saw some of them there. Well done, good and faithful servant. You can't hear better words than that from the Lord. Notice Proverbs 28.20. Proverbs 28.20 says, A faithful man, a faithful person, a faithful woman will what? Abound with blessings. And there's numerous, really too numerous to get into here. I looked up a few of them. The Bible says the Lord preserves the faithful. How many of you would like to be preserved? His eyes are on the faithful. How many of you would like to have the eyes of the Lord on you? That, that's good. But, but there's, one, there's one found in Revelation chapter 2. Go there. 
How many of you would like to get that crown of life? Oh boy, I'd like to get that crown of life. And I would. He's speaking. Remember there were seven churches there in, in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. They were in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. And the second one mentioned was the church in Smyrna. It was known as a persecuted church. And Jesus said to them in Revelation 2 verse 10. He said, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Suffer? Suffer? Wow. You start telling Christians they're going to have to suffer, you won't get invited back to preach next week. Now this is the Lord talking. He's speaking through John to these churches. He says, don't fear. See, don't fear. Do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That you may be tested. You'll have tribulation ten days. And much we could say about that. But notice, it's interesting. And really listen carefully now. I'm almost finished, but listen really carefully. In the society in which we live... The attitude has been, the teaching has been, the way it's come across anyway has been that we're supposed to be faithful until the blessing comes. Huh? Be faithful till you're blessed. Why are you being faithful? Well, I'm being faithful, waiting for the blessing. And, 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 and there is a truth in there. Oh, there certainly is. But you know, here in the United States, we, we as Christians, we don't really know what persecution is. Do you realize it's real easy for us to say Jesus is Lord, but do you know if you said Jesus is Lord in the first, second, third century, uh, it, you put your life on the line. Very likely you'd be put to death. Do you understand that? And he said here, he, he said, be faithful did he say, be faithful until the blessing comes, pressed down, shaken together, running over? He said to this church, he said, be faithful until, till what? How long do we have to be faithful? Faithful unto death. But, but to these people, death was impending. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the what? Crown of life. I, that's sobering to me, dear friends. I don't know what, how it hits you, how it hits your spirit, but my goodness. Be faithful unto death. I just thought it would be interesting some ways that Christians were put to death in the first couple of centuries. Crucifixion. See, we don't understand really any of this in the United States. It's a great nation to live in, isn't it? It really is, but think about it. Sawing. That's how the prophet Isaiah was killed. They put, it, put him inside a log and sawed the thing in half. <laughs> flaying. Have you heard of flaying a fish? They'd strip the skin off your bodies. Boiling in oil. And it sounds gruesome. 
We shouldn't be talking about this in church. Yes, we should. We need to understand what our brothers and sisters from days gone by had to go through. And it's still going on in parts of this world. Even as we speak. They, that's what happened to the Apostle John. They couldn't shut him up. And, and, and so they put him, they hooked his hands up and they lowered him into a big vat of boiling oil. And they, what they would do is they'd put your feet in first and then down to, your, to your, knee, your ankles, your knees, your thighs, your waist. They'd just put you in there and, 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 and boiling oil. Domitian did that. The emperor, evil man. And they lowered him down in there. And, and most all the Christians, it, 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 when they brought him back up, nothing left but bones. Except when they brought John back up out, he was unharmed. Can you say amen? amen. So they banished him to the Isle of Patmos. And then he got the book of Revelation. <laughs> Glory to God. Frying. They'd fry people alive. Pastor, don't tell us about these things. You need to know. Be faithful unto what? And what they had was a brazen bull or a bull made out of, out of iron, a bull. And it had a big door like your, your, your gar- barbecue pit. And they'd put people in there, Christians that would not renounce Jesus. And they'd give them a chance to renounce Jesus before they'd fry them, before they'd kill them. And, and, and you know what? I tell you what, and, and a lot of times while they were killing them, they'd have their families standing there and they'd put their families to death while they were lowering them into the oil or putting them into the bowl to fry them. Think about that, dear friends. I mean, I mean some of these, these people that walked with Jesus, they had the opportunity to renounce Jesus, but they refused to do it. I mean, that, I mean, I believe the Bible because it's the Bible, but all you have to do is think about those early Christians that walked with Him and knew Him, and they could have gotten out of death, they could have saved their families, but they would not do it because they knew that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But they'd put people in a bull and they'd, and they'd shut that bull because the bull was to their false gods, you know. And they'd put people in there, shut the door and put fire underneath and they'd fry them alive. They'd burn them at the stake or put them on poles. The one emperor had, had Christians put on poles and they'd light them on fire and he, used, he would use that fire, that light from that fire at night to have garden parties at night while the Christians burned. They would feed Christians to the lions or other wild beasts in the Colosseums. And you know how um, on, on Sundays uh, during football season, you know, you look at the television and those stadiums are packed with people and they're watching the football. But you see, back in the days of the early church, those stadiums would be packed, but they weren't playing football. They'd be feeding Christians to lions and other wild beasts. And there'd be just as many people and they'd be screaming and yelling and it was entertainment. Can, can, can you fathom that? And all people would have to do is renounce Jesus and they wouldn't have to go out and be fed to the lions. But they said, you know, the, the, the Polycarp, who was the actual, actually Polycarp was the pastor here of, of Smyrna, one of the early church fathers. And he said, for 86 years I've served my Lord Jesus and he's never done me any wrong. I will not deny him now. Amen. And then finally be, beheading. And the Apostle Paul, they cut his head off. 
But you know the Apostle Paul, they didn't cut his head off till he let him cut his head off. They tried to kill that man for years and years and years and they couldn't do it. Can you say amen? It wasn't until he finished his course he laid his head down. They... Be faithful unto what? Yeah. Unto what? Yeah. And you'll receive the what? The crown, of crown of life. Well, 2 Timothy 2.13. We'll stop here. If we're unfaithful. Has anybody ever been unfaithful? Has anybody ever been unfaithful to the Lord besides me? Boy, you people are just perfect. You've never done anything wrong. So you've all been perfect. All right. Well, I've been, I've, there's times I've been unfaithful to him. There's times I've missed it. Times I, I've done things I shouldn't have done. In my heart, I've always, I've always been faithful to him, but I've missed it here and there. Has, has anybody ever missed it here and there? I'm trying to tell you something good about God here now. If we're unfaithful... Guess what? He remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. And if he's nothing else, he's faithful. Stand with me if you would. I hope you got something out of this. Heads, please bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want to invite you to do that. There's some, be some men and women standing up here in the front. If you've never received Jesus, when we dismiss, before we go out to have our time of fellowship out there, which we have about, oh, about every six weeks or however often we have those times, but some goodies out there. But hey, if you've never received Jesus, do that before you leave. All you got to do is walk up here to the front when we dismiss and just say, hey, introduce me to Jesus. And these nice people will pray with you.